This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 380 with Dana V. Adams. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 380. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Dana V. Adams is a shameless mom of four boys, ages 15 to 23, the founder of the Life Mapping Institute, the author of Live Your Gift and the Live Your Gift Companion Guide, and considered one of the country's top thought leaders on the life mapping process. For decades, first as a student and now as a teacher and mentor, Dana has inspired, empowered, and led thousands to embrace their life's gifts to live happy, abundant, and authentic lives. She leads the highly acclaimed Life Mapping Workshop to corporations and individuals. Dana's life was deeply impacted by life mapping a few years ago, so she took it upon herself to reach out to the creator of the concept, Bill Cohen, to ask him if they could collaborate. Major shameless move, right? He said yes, and Dana has had the opportunity to build a truly transformational program at the Life Mapping Institute as a result of this collaboration. Listen in to hear Dana share the process of breaking through the fear around setting goals, how she got out of paralyzing fear herself in order to create space to go after her dreams of writing and speaking, how losing her mom by suicide shifted her ability to resist perfectionism and start taking the risks to become an author, the power of putting things in the context they need to be in in order to overcome her family's stories around incest and suicide. 
what her intuition feels like and how she's learned to listen to it more often and how life mapping can get you in deeper touch with your own intuition. I loved this conversation with Dana. She's so thoughtful and she has so much to share and she ties it to her own story in such a vulnerable and beautiful and powerful way. So it is my deepest honor to introduce to you Dana V. Adams. Dana Adams, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you. I am so excited to be here with you. This is going to be fun. So I'm going to draw, make some connections for our audience. We are in touch with each other because of our mutual friend, Jessica Butts. And Jessica Butts has been on the show maybe two times. Um, I think she's been on the show once. She spoke in my live event and she spoke in my membership community. So many of my members are (laughs) well-versed in the universe of Jessica Butts and (laughs) as are you. So it's fun to put people together who all know each other and and have similar interests and backgrounds. Yeah, agreed for sure. So fun. So we're going to be talking about life mapping today, which I'm so curious about. Um, I think this is going to be really interesting and insightful. Before we dive into all that, and maybe this will include some of that, but tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Okay, great. So first and foremost, I'm sure your listeners can relate to the fact I am a single mom and I have four boys, rage and age from 15 to 23. I'm doing some quick math. 15. So you have four boys in eight years? Uh, yeah, actually, years? I had three in three years. Um, my oh youngest my three. Okay. <laughs> uh, so basically, 16, 17, 18 year old. Wow. And then I have a 23 year old. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're great. It's so much fun. I mean, I consider myself fortunate because they really like each other, which is great. <laughs> so great. So yeah. Awesome. And I imagine and are they all still in the household? Uh, two of them. So I have uh, two in high school, a sophomore and a junior. And then I have one that just left for college at the University of Arizona and one that just graduated and he's on his own. He graduated from the University of Washington. So does it feel like the household is getting quieter then? It is. It is so strange. And does that feel good or does it feel different? Is it hard? It isn't hard. It is different. And I probably have been a little bit luckier maybe than some as far as getting used to it as we go, because I have been co-parenting with the dad of my younger ones. And so I am used to them not being here. So you're used to kind of that shift in energy on a regular basis. Yeah. It is still a little bit of a difference now. Yeah. Yeah, That totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I imagine... I have one. And so I feel like when he leaves, I'm like already preparing myself for the devastation. (laughs) How can I I practice my coping skills now so that I'm okay with this? (laughs) So funny. I just told myself I wasn't going to think of it until right before (laughs) how I coped with it. And I just keep reminding myself like, you know, this is so what they need, you know, they're ready at that point. And not to make them feel like I need them because right. I don't. But. Right. And that, that's, I think, what's going to be hard for me is to like not make him feel like, wait a minute. But although right now he's seven and he's telling me that he wants me to always live with him. And when he goes to college, he wants me to live in the dorms with him. And so I'm like, I'm just going to keep reminding you of these promises you're making and it's oh. going to all be good. That is so funny. And yes, you will. And you should probably record that. And then you can send that message to him sometime when he's not being nice. Yes, yes, totally. Oh my gosh, I love it. So I want to dive into 
Well, before we dive into work things, are there any really exciting things happening as you navigate this transition? And like, as you're in this really unique place in motherhood where you like have some of your child rearing done, you still have a little bit left to go, but you have probably, I would imagine, an increased sense of independence. Has that shifted how you spend time and energy for yourself personally and professionally? For sure. I would say it has. And I I think that was a big part of my deciding to also move forward with this project that I have done uh, because they are so much more independent than they were there. And that's a nice thing, you know, to know that I can let them know that I'm going to need extra time or I'm going to be working longer. And that's been helpful. But I'm also still really intentional about making sure that I am around, you know, and I want that connection, whether that's for dinner or making sure I'm able to go to their games and getting that connection while I still have them here. So it's definitely, it's, it's gotten easier, but I think also in some ways it becomes work to make sure that they don't go too far. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And what do you mean by too far? Like geographically too far? No, no. More like, you know, I think it can be really easy to just they spend their spare time with their friends. And so yes. then just even having the most basic connection can seem challenging. So but we have a pretty good understanding. And I think they enjoy actually having dinner when we can sit down. And and so, yeah, it's still a nice connection, which I really like. And, you know, I am also working a lot. So let's talk about that. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the working a lot. So <laughs> um, I know you went from being a licensed real estate agent for 20 years to deciding to write books and start the Life Mapping Institute. And oh my gosh, I have 1 million questions within that statement. So mm-hmm. can you take us a little bit through that journey? Um, what prompted the shift? Like that's a ma- sounds like a pretty massive shift. Um, and also, what tell us about the Life Mapping Institute. I'm so curious. So I am actually still balancing both, which is is a lot of work on its own. Yeah. You know, sometimes I I like to think that our passion is not necessarily what pays the bills Mm -hmm. um, or what our purpose is in life. And so I am experimenting with all of that right now. But for now, my real estate career, that is what has paid my bills. And I've had a passion in that as well, which I feel very fortunate for, but just have specialized in a new construction niche in the Kirkland Bellevue areas of Washington. And this goal setting, you know, really it's been a part of my life since I was very young. It was something my mom started me on probably when I was about 10. And life mapping is a process that I learned through a book that I had picked up when I was 29. So this would have been 20 years ago. And it is a goal setting system, but it really asks us to take a few steps back. And those things that we should consider before we really start setting goals are really contemplating the questions about why we actually think we're here, you know, why we think we're having this life that we're having, and how do we actually want to show up and interact with the people that mean the most to us throughout our life, and then start setting goals from that place. And so it helps to create this alignment with, you know, who we say we are and who we want to be, and then are we actually living and acting out of that place. Oh my gosh, I love this. And I think it gives so much more power to your goals if you have that strong sense of purpose and acknowledgement behind them. Yes, I would say for sure. And the a lot of the research that I had done in leading to the book that I had written called Live Your Gift 
was really on where I started to see myself as being very stuck Mm. uh, during that process of using the life mapping tools. So I was very fortunate in the fact that, you know, this was a process I, I literally just, you know, I jumped right on it as far as a nonfiction book and taking the suggestions and then doing everything. I was all about that. And I kind of every year would sort of take the annual pilgrimage to set goals and think about what was next. But what was going on in the background is that since the time I was about 25, I had started to have this intuition that I should be writing and I should be speaking. And even though I believed that 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 was true and that that was a calling for me, I just found myself really, really resisting those indicators. And it was really a lot of fear-based resistance that was really coming out of a lot of childhood trauma that I had experienced. And as I started to share the life mapping process with the people at my company and we would go off on retreat, I just started to really look at the fact like, okay, why is it that I say I want something or I set a goal and then I just, I'm not doing anything in support of it. And it was through that process that I discovered a way to really break through these things that were, they were absolutely holding me back in my life. And I I literally, I mean, I would describe it as just being frozen in some pretty paralyzing fear of some of the old stories that I had to create when I was younger to put myself in a position of being safer in my home. And so an example of that I could give you would be, you know, I, I grew up in a, it was a pretty chaotic childhood and family, but I really grew up with this expectation that in order to get love or acknowledgement, anything that I did needed to be perfect. If I was going to play a sport or I was going to do something enjoyable or fun, that really was never the objective. It was really more of, okay, well, if you're going to do this thing, can you be an Olympic athlete? (laughs) Can you, uh, you know, are you going to get an A plus every time? Like if you can't go all the way, just don't even go. (laughs) Totally, totally. And so there wasn't, I didn't learn how to try and do things to experience joy or to have fun or to play. It was all with the mission of how are you going to do something and be the absolute best. Mm -hmm. And what that created for me was really, instead of trying and potentially being shamed because I wasn't always the best, I just stopped trying. And so when it came to this idea of like something as big as I thought that it might be in writing and actually speaking, I thought, oh my gosh, like, okay, if there was ever an opportunity for rejection or potential failure, that's where it would be. (laughs) And I would, you know, I'd kind of hear that little voice, which I, I consider more of like, you know, that wisest part of ourselves that we have. And immediately, you know, I had the inner critic that was just like, you know, Dana, who are you kidding? (laughs) You know, do you really think you're going to go do this? And and then it was all of the the doubting of, you know, well, how are you going to find the time? And mm-hmm. what if nobody is interested in what you have to say? And I mean, it was just this plethora of one thing after another. And I didn't have to hear very much before I would just be like, okay, never mind. I got it. Yep. You're right. <laughs> I'm not doing that. 
And so for the longest time, I just, I held myself back and it really got to the point where uh, the voices, kind of the intuitions weren't going away. And I was about 47 at the time. And that was getting close to the age that my mom was when she had taken her life by suicide. Oh my goodness. And I literally kept having this thought come to me that was, you know, if something had happened to me, you know, Dana, did you do everything with the gifts that I gave you? I would have said no. No, I didn't because I was too afraid, basically. And that just, it made me feel so sad. It, it didn't sit well. And the idea that my boys would have, you know, they, they would have seen me. I think they would have said, oh, you know, our mom was successful or, you know, she was a hard worker, but they wouldn't have seen me ever try to do something that really mattered to me and risk failing. And so I just thought that I don't want that, you know, and, and I really believe we pass these things down to our kids and I don't want them playing it safe. You know, I want them to go out for whatever they're feeling pulled to or their passion or what their heart's telling them. And so that I, I really just kind of got to that point where it's like, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And it's time that I step into this work and that I try because I don't want to die with a regret about that. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. Oh my goodness. And I think that it's interesting when we can draw connections between where our parents are, were at certain ages and where we are. And Mm -hmm. that I think it really shifts perspective and helps us see things in a new way. And so I think that that's really interesting that it hit you at age 47. Mm -hmm. So how long ago was that? Okay. So that was almost two years ago. Okay. Go ahead and continue from there then. (laughs) So from there, that is actually, I had been invited to Jessica's event. Okay that she puts on. And the person that invited me, she was going to be able to make the first two days of the event, but not the last day. Mm. And on the last day, that is when Jessica brings in her team of experts, as she calls them. And so she was having the gal that had helped her write her books, conduct a little writer's workshop. And immediately I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm there. (laughs) And so I, it was in that workshop in that hour. Uh, and it's so funny. I mean, it was just, it was a fall day and it was just stormy and raining and just, you know, the, the raindrops just like pellets on the conference room windows. And it's like, in the same time, I'm just crying, feeling so sad that it was like, I felt like I was just sort of, I was saying goodbye to those excuses and realizing like, okay, it's time, you know? And I decided in that moment, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write my book. And, you know, I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like in that moment, but it started to unfold really quickly. Mm. And so the first thing that I did was I reached out to the original author who wrote Life Mapping. His name's Bill Cohen. And I kind of shared my story with him and told him, you know, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to write a new story and touch on some people that have overcome some really challenging obstacles to, you know, live their gift. And I wanted to incorporate some new steps into life mapping that would address someone like me mm-hmm. who was so held back in fear. Yeah. And how do you address that? And how do you actually move past that? And then also it, it's got a lot of the latest research in neuroscience and goal achievement. So all of those things sort of working in concert with one another to support us in the best way possible when we go out and set new goals, especially the big ones. Yeah. 
Okay, we need to just address something really cool that you did. So you knew that this guy had written this book and you'd been following along and admiring his work and admiring everything he'd done and participating in the work that he'd created. And then you went and invited yourself into a conversation with him and also provided feedback around like, hey, here's how I could contribute to your work. Like this is a massive step. <laughs> you just yeah. quickly glossed. You're like, I just emailed him, whatever. <laughs> that is such a big step and such a powerful step. And I'm curious, was that a, ca I mean, you kind of made it sound like it was just a casual thing. I'm just going to reach out real quick. Was that, how did that feel to you as you entered into that conversation? And cause I'm, I'm very yes. curious. So it's so funny you say it because actually, I mean, that had been, so, so life map ends up being something um, that you can, can go through. It, it's a process, but Annually, I would really usually very much update my life map and get really clear on my goals for the next year. And what's so funny is that the first time I had ever even written down on a life map, or I'd even had the idea, was in two years before that. And I kind of thought, because what I started to do was to share this process with people I worked with. And, you know, I think it's that whole thing of like, you know, when, when we don't believe in our own self-worth and the value that we bring, we think we need a title next to our name or we need a certificate or, you know, the degree. And so, of course, my thinking went to, well, I should probably ask him if he has like a certificate program in this to where like I could really be certified to teach this. And I never had reached out to him. So when I decided to write, write the book, yeah, it, it's interesting because it was bold. And what I did was I, I found him on Facebook. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I sent him a messenger message and said, you know, and I knew that the book was no longer in print because I was buying them for my colleagues and I could only find them like reselling through Amazon. And so... That was kind of how I thought to myself, like, wow, it's almost been 20 years since he wrote the book. Wouldn't that be so neat if this was like, hey, a 20 year, you know, version of it and to really honor kind of what he had put out there. And in my mind, I was thinking, you know, this could be a legacy that really lived beyond him. And I knew how powerful it had been for me. And even though I had still been stuck in these areas the life map always gave me something to work towards in, in keeping my focus and my vision moving forward. And so what was so great about it in the process, so first of all, you responded to me like within an hour and said, let's have a conversation about this. So we had jumped on the phone just a few days later. Then he asked me to write him a proposal of what I was thinking. And every step along the way, he said, you know, this feels right. You know, what do you think we should do next? And so about a month later, I flew down to meet him and his wife. They live in Northern California, kind of in that Pebble Beach area. And what was so fascinating, I thought, was he when I asked him, how did this come about for you? You know, how did you originally write the book? He shared with me that he had originally written another manuscript and the publisher that he sent it to got back to him and said, well, we actually really want you to write a book on this one chapter that you have about life mapping. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. And so he agreed to write the book. But what was so interesting, and I think that this just beautifully illustrates when we're not doing things that are really in alignment with where our true passion is, 
it doesn't have the same meaning. And so even though we wrote the book and then here it's something I found so useful, he used it and utilized it, but that wasn't where his passion was. So he never became really a voice for it in promoting what the tools were that he was even suggesting. And so I think that that was what he was attracted to in my proposal was he could see how passionate I was about it and how much it actually had helped me in my life. Right. Yeah. And so it was, I think it was very much one of those things, you know, I, I consider myself more of a spiritual person, but as far as ideas that we have or messages that sort of land on us or these intuitions, I mean, I think that they are there for very distinct reason. And when we actually honor them, and listen and follow and realize, you know, the worst that's going to happen is he could say no. <laughs> but then when at every turn, it's yes, it's like, wow. So awesome. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. That's the thing is that it's the worst, the worst thing that can happen is someone will say no. And people ask me a lot, like how I get certain guests on the podcast. And so often I'm like, I sent them a DM on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, I don't wait. Cause, and honestly, and sometimes I do it like on a Saturday or Sunday morning while I'm watching cartoons with my son, because if I waited until I had like the perfect proposal letter mm -hmm. written all the time, I would <laughs> never get around to asking some people like we yeah. do have somewhat of a protocol that we use, but then there's also times where I'm like, I'm just going to send them a DM because otherwise yeah. it will take me two more months to get around to doing this. And so I think that we make things so overcomplicated sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we think that people have up way bigger, thicker, higher walls than they really do. Yeah. And that's just our own fear speaking. And people often want to engage and want to connect and want to be seen and heard just like we do. And so when you give them that place to do that, they're like, yeah, like let's walk together and do this. Yeah. It's fascinating, I think as well. And it's been such a good kind of a, a paving the way for me to continually remind myself to do the next thing that I'm afraid of doing. Right. And so, yeah, just, uh, that's a lot of my work right now is still just, you know, pushing through. I, I recognize when that fear comes up or when that sort of that inner critic wants to start to kind of pull me back. But the beauty is, is that through this whole process and, and what life mapping teaches, I know how to recognize it. And then I know what to say in response to it, right. which is really like buzz off. Yeah. <laughs> buzz yeah. Off. I'm not doing that anymore. And, and I remind myself, you know what, actually I am capable, um, that, that all of this work is, is for a very good reason. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the process? Um, some of the details that, that really, I mean, cause it's one thing to say, like, I just tell those voices to buzz off, but that yeah. takes work to get, to be able to like <laughs> tell them to buzz off and actually have them buzz off. So yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Okay. Well, this is really just one aspect in the life mapping process, but it's the part that I suggest people use once we have sort of narrowed down what we want to focus on as our priority goals. And so that's really like if we were to really make an impact or shift something major in our life for the better, and we know that this is going to be useful and helpful. And if we were to look back three months from now or a year from now and saw that we did that thing, that it would be amazing. You know, it would just be a really positive change. And so what I developed was a worksheet called the goal inquiry form. And the goal inquiry form, this is actually on the resources tab uh, that people could download for free because I think it's so powerful. 
And what it requires is that basically I like to kind of equate it to calling all of our skeletons out of the closet and getting everything out on the table before we even begin. And it's things like, okay, what are the potential things that are going to get in my way of this goal? And one of the questions on there is, you know, do we have any limiting beliefs to call out? And it's that stuff that the nasty inner critic says to us. And so if, if we think that, you know, if we're afraid that we might quit, uh, because like tying back to the story when I was younger, you know, I heard that now and then, oh, you know, you're just a quitter, basically. Well, no, I don't want to think I'm a quitter. I'm actually not a quitter. But when I choose to do something, I do want to do it well. So you're kind of putting all of these things out there. The other questions are, what I think is really important is, if you have that inner voice that is saying something negative to you, if you can isolate where it started, what the story was, where it originated, you can diffuse all of the power that that story had over you. And so it's just sort of this multi-step process of, you know, if you can identify what happened when the story happened, I'll give you an example again. So just tying back to the same example, um, I had been ice skating and taking lessons. I was like nine and I overheard my mom asking my coach if, if she thought I was Olympic material. And also the coach had us weigh in and I can remember stepping on the scale and seeing the weight on there. You know, remember I was nine and I was over a hundred pounds and I can remember girls behind me in line, kind of like whispering and snickering, like, oh my gosh, you know, she weighs over a hundred pounds. And so in that moment, literally, it's like a flash that goes off and this story I created, like, okay, first of all, if I can't be perfect, it's not worth doing. And second of all, now I'm fat on top of it. And I did really struggle with my weight. I struggled with my weight uh, from about that time until for about 10 years. And I really think actually weight for me, well, first of all, food was just something I numbed out on, mm -hmm. was a comfort thing in a pretty uncomfortable time in my life. But also I think it had turned out to be, um, um, sadly, my father had sexually molested my next older sister. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was a witness to a lot of inappropriate conversations and just things you would never want your daughter to hear. Yeah. And I think I internalized from that experience, like, you know what, if I'm not attractive, then I don't have to worry about creepy old men being inappropriate. And, and so when I go back to that and I, I say, okay, so what was the story I created out of that? And in this case, in, in wanting to write the book, the limiting belief was that, you know, what if I fail? What if nobody cares what I have to say? Um, you know, the other thing was like, Dana, you don't even have your own life figured out. You know, who do you think you are to put this out there into the world? And so by being able to isolate where that story originated, it allowed me to detach from it. And then one of the next things is to look at, what was going on in my mom's life, in my dad's life, that those things were even said or those things occurred or that I was kind of put through that experience? And I think now as a mom, I, it gives me a very different perspective 
and an ability to sort of detach myself from the situation and realize, you know what? That wasn't even about me. That wasn't about me. My mom was heavy. She struggled with her weight. You know, I think she had tons of pressure on her from, from her childhood to be perfect and how we just sort of pass that stuff onto our kids without even thinking, you know, it's like that unconscious incompetence. I didn't even think my mom in that sector, I don't even think she didn't know what she didn't even know. Exactly. Which was so ironic because in other areas, you know, I shared that she's the one that started me on this track of setting goals and believing in my future and, you know, wanting, I know she wanted the best for me. And yet here she was severely depressed, not able to adopt those things and live that way herself. Mm-hmm. And so this whole process of sort of getting all of the skeletons on the table and really putting things in the context that they need to be in, because that story, it protected me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew, I learned you know, how I didn't want to be shamed and I I didn't want to be made fun of. Um, And so I started to alter my behavior to lessen the sort of emotional abuse or, you know, doing things that didn't get me the approval that I wanted. And so to be able to see that for how it came into my life and it sort of protected me for the time that I needed it. But now as an adult to look at that and say, you know, that doesn't serve me anymore. And it's not true. (laughs) It's actually not true. And so the goal is how do I rewrite that story? How do I instead fill myself with those wise nurturing things that if I look at myself as that 80 year old person that I want to be, and I think about that woman and the things that she would say to me now, they would be kind and loving and nurturing and encouraging. And so it's how do we, when we hear that nasty voice, replace it with what we actually know to be true and what will serve us in the best, most supportive way possible toward our goal of achieving what we want. Yeah, yeah. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. 
Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I love that you, um, I was like taking frantic notes while you were talking, (laughs) but one of the phrases that you used was putting uh, the power of putting things in the context they need to be in. Mm -hmm. And I have this whole keynote talk that I give around secret lies Mm -hmm. and that are based on truths, like things that we actually experience. And you have given some, some stellar examples like sexual (laughs) assault in a family, Mm -hmm. suicide, all Mm -hmm. these things. And so there's these like really big truths that have profound impact. And then there's the stories that we create around the truths and the power of putting things in the context they need to be in is a game changer. And when you come from a place of, oh, yes, that thing happened, but the truth about that thing is actually X, Y, and Z rather than like it making me a bad person or meaning that I can't do things moving forward or I can't, you know, find my power in my life. And so, so important to be able to do that and put things in the correct context, especially when we're thinking about things that are things that like courage that we had to demonstrate in young ages that mm-hmm. we didn't haven't even acknowledged or embraced that we've had to overcome or, or step into mm-hmm. that, that kind of um, courage. Yeah. Yeah, really. And it's, it's almost like it, it puts me in a position instead of feeling sorry for myself or sorry for the situation, which of course, you know, I still deal with emotional stuff about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's natural, but, but also to almost look back at, at myself when I was younger to think, you know, I did whatever I needed to do to survive. Like I'm actually, I'm a survival, like a survivor. I'm actually pretty tough, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. it, It does. It totally shifts the energy and the power away from the negativity into kind of giving ourselves a pat on the back for like, wow, sister, you've, (laughs) <laughs> you've made it a long way actually. Yeah. And then to be able to turn it around so that we can actually step into the work that we want to do and exactly. to take, take the risks or to do the things that we might've been holding ourselves back from. Right. Yeah. Those reframes are so crucial. If you want to move into those places where you can listen to your intuition, I want to ask you a little bit about your intuition. Um, So I think that women and moms in particular really stifle intuition just because we're in a situation and I know that you can relate as a mother of four where you you have to be in like this really reactive place to take care of your kids. And so you often just like push down the things that you want, need, desire because you're like, well, I can't acknowledge that right now. Like I have 18 other things that need to be taken care of in the next two and a half minutes. (laughs) And we learn to disregard our intuition. And I, and then when you pair that with coming from a family environment where you might have really struggled to develop any self-trust and in mm-hmm. your situation, that would be very appropriate for you not to have a lot of self-trust. Yeah. Um, how did you get to a place or how, what are some of the tools? So how does intuition show up for you? And then also, how do you tap into like really listen to that rather than ignoring or pushing it away? Um, it would be easy to do so. Yeah. That's a great question. So a couple answers to that. So the first answer would be, you know, how do I know when it's my intuition talking to me Yeah, is usually it for me, I just experience it. It's very internal. It's more of that sort of softer, wise voice or thoughts that I have to myself in sort of how I need to best take care of myself or ideally what I would be doing. So 
one example of this would be that, again, because of the weight challenges that I had growing up, my health and making sure that I stay active is really, really important to how I show up every day in my life. And if I'm not doing that or I'm sort of um, not focused on what I'm eating or I realize I'm sort of eating more from a place of emotions and wanting comfort, that I have to always know since what I've learned, I guess, from experience is that when I take care of myself and I honor getting myself exercise or mostly you know, what I try to do is I kind of try to eat mostly clean during the week, but like, I love a great cheeseburger on the weekend, you know, <laughs> I love ice cream. And, and so I've tr- I finally figured out this balance, um, that works pretty well, but if I'm not paying attention to it, I can very easily distract myself. So when I've really gotten into this project that I've been working on, it's really easy for me to give a reason like, Oh, you know, Hey, it's really important that I just finish what I'm working on right now. So I'm not going to go and take a walk tonight, or I'm not going to go to the gym. But when I don't honor what I already know to be true for myself, I pay for it. And I pay for it in either beating myself up or, you know, feeling bad because like when I come out of a workout or I do honor what I need in taking care of myself, I know how much better I feel. And so this is another thing we talk about in life mapping. And it's one of the new parts of the process and the step is you know, what does it mean to be optimally me? What, how do I, what do I do when I am showing up my best and have awareness of that so that when we're not acting from that place, how can we most quickly get back to it? So, so that's one of the answers as far as the intuition is, it's like, if it doesn't sort of leave you alone and it continues to weigh on you and with regard to being a mom and the guilt and the stuff that we sort of take on a lot of it just from society and, you know, Jesus, these unspoken rules that we think we have. Um, I did learn fortunately in that arena that the more I honored truly allowing myself to be who I want to be, um, as a person. So for example, like working for me, I enjoy that feeling of contributing to something greater than myself or just greater than what goes on in the walls of being a mom or being home with my kids. And I, I just, you know what, I just sort of decided that was maybe more of a declaration. Like I am not going to guilt myself out for this. I'm actually a better mom to these boys by continuing to challenge myself, by working hard, contributing to them, to the family to providing them a role model of what it looks like to be able to balance all of this and, and not always perfectly. And also them realizing, like, I just told one of my sons this yesterday, like, this is the thing that can be so hard is that it's almost like there's this expectation that we get it all right. And that we're setting this perfect example. But I think the better thing is to really let your kids know, you know what, we, we don't all have it figured out where I'm still trying to figure it out. And so, so to be able to honor what I needed in those ways meant that that's what they learned. They used to ask me when I was younger, I used to do a bunch of hot yoga and they used to say to me every now and then, mom, do you need to go to hot yoga? (laughs) And I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, how interesting. Um, but to also say to them, you know what, we do all of this running around in support of our kids mm-hmm. and all the things that 
that we want them to be able to experience. And I think it's good for them to see, you know what, hey, it's it's our turn. Yeah. And I need to go do this for me so that when I come back, I'm better for you guys. I'm I'm better for me. I'm better for you. Mm-hmm. When I'm in a relationship, I'm better for my partner. Right. right. And so so that's probably the main way as far as, you know, following and, and honoring intuition. But, you know, I have to say that that there are certain areas the other thing to an indicator when we're not honoring. Oh, yes. What, what <laughs> Tell us is. about that because this might be very <laughs> relatable. <laughs> I think that shows up in the cycles that continually repeat themselves mm, yeah. in our lives that are, we know are not healthy. We know we're not honoring us. We know we're going against our better judgment. So the, the main way that that, that has uh, really been challenging work for me as it relates back to my childhood is in intimate relationships yeah. because, you know, there is still that little girl inside who it, you know, if I'm being honest is not totally healed in that area. Mm-hmm. And because of the fact that I, I still am working to understand my value and I'm still working to have self love and self acceptance that when it comes to me from an outside source, like I so desperately wanted from my parents. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to just attach to it. And then I'll start to recognize the flags that come up. Um, some of those areas that I think we can be watching for are in what our core values are. So in relationships, what would happen is I might have that internal twinge or something might occur early on in the relationship where I'm like, oh, that didn't feel good. That didn't land on me, right? Um, it's usually what triggers us. So if I get an emotional reaction from something, to me, that is our intuition speaking to us. Something's out of whack here. This doesn't feel good. And because I would be so desperate for any kind of love, I was so quick to dismiss it say, oh my gosh, you're overreacting, Dana. You're having, right. you overreact more than the average woman would or the average girl. And so I would just continue to dismiss myself and dismiss myself, which only more, you know, pushes down further this belief that we want to have in what our value is. And the fact that, you know, we do deserve to be in healthy relationships or, you know, it's sort of like, you know, if I know when I love myself, when I can step away from a relationship and know I am not going to crumble. I'm not going to die. You know, I really do deserve to either be content by myself or be in a healthier relationship Mm -hmm. because my family as a value is important to me or, you know, shared partnership is important to me. Um, my, you know, what my spiritual spirituality is, my spiritual beliefs, my faith, what that is like, those are important to me and not that everything is going to line up, but when we turn away from ourselves on what really at the core makes up who we are, uh, to me, that's just, it it is the biggest and best red flag we could possibly have. Mm -hmm. And And I think it's that one that's waving saying, whoa you know, over here, you need to pay attention to this. And when we don't, I just think, 
I think we continue to repeat those things. Uh, they just continue to land on us in new and different ways until we finally get it. We finally surrender to it. Like, okay, this is just not working. So I was over on your website and I saw that you have your personal life map up on your website, which is really, really <laughs> cool. People have to go Thank check this you. out. And I, in time back to what you said at the beginning that, you know, the life mapping process really gets you in touch with why your goals are important to you. And you just gave mm -hmm. such a great, you know, kind of context to that mm -hmm. around if you know what your values are and you know what you are standing for and, and what your kind of the messages in your, in your gut and your intuition, mm -hmm. um, you'll notice the red flags and you'll be able mm -hmm. to listen to them. And so what's really interesting to me about the process of life mapping, life mapping that I see in, when I look at yours is the clarity around <laughs> these are the things that are really important. These are why they're important. This is what I'm working towards and everything's broken down, um, mm -hmm. in such a great way. And cat and the organizer in me loves like it's all categorized really nicely and everything. But I think that it makes, it gives you this place for when you are having those like checks with your intuition to think like, wait, does this feel good in my gut? Or I'm not so sure mm -hmm. you have something to refer back to, to say like, Oh wait, no, hold on. Like I, this is like a, a, an objective list to go back to, to be like, wait, this is what I stand for though. So that red flag, mm -hmm. I actually do need to honor because yeah. otherwise I'd be dishonoring myself. Yeah. Which is really living out of alignment or living out, yeah. of, out of integrity with ourselves. And totally. I think what I have learned for me anyway, is that when I am not in integrity with myself, that's when the chaos boils up. That's when the drama happens. That's when I'm not happy. And it's, so interesting too, because what I realized in relationships, how I would deal with that is I would start being resentful to the other person. Like it was all their fault. And in reality, it's not their fault. That was my fault. Shame on me right. that, and actually it's like, at first there's disappointment in myself, but it's also like, you know, Oh, like in a way it's like, Oh, what that older person would say, like, honey, like, you know, you do deserve better. And it's like, it is okay. It might sting if you have to step out of that relationship, but you're going to be okay. Like you don't want to settle, right. you know? And so I just, all of that work in the ability to, to really look inward and to pay attention to how we act when our feathers are ruffled and to, you know, they say that thing about, like if you're pointing the finger at someone else, you have to remember you've got three pointing back at you. Right, right. And it's then I ask myself, okay, well, why am I having this reaction and what is going on for me? Exactly. And yeah, and then, you know, and then we have a place to make a decision from. Right. So not perfect by any sort of <laughs> imagination, but so helpful. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this has been so good. So I want you to tell us, I know you work with people in a handful of different ways. So tell us, I know locally you have some stuff coming up. Where can people connect with you? And then if they are local in the Seattle area or the greater Seattle area, where can people get in touch with you for local stuff as well? Yeah. So locally right now, what I have coming up, I have a parent and teen workshop that will be in Kirkland, Washington at the end of October. It's on Saturday, October 26th. Um, I'm in process of creating the companion guide, which the companion guide allows people to step through the process of creating their own life map. And you can do it on your own just by having the guide, 
But what I find in most people really enjoy being guided through the process. And it's sort of like this accountability piece to actually doing it uh, because it, it takes some work and it's um, there's some introspection. So but going back to all of this, you know, starting when I was so young, I am super, super passionate about sharing these tools with younger kids and with everything going on, um, the depression and teen suicide gosh, you know, I'd love to be able to have kids learn about this early. And so that workshop's going to be happening. It's just a Saturday from like, you know, 9.30 to 3.30. But people can find a lot of these resources on the Life Mapping Institute website. And they can subscribe anytime that, that I will have a new workshop coming up, that there will be a notification of that. I just ran an online program and I am looking at professionally developing that so that that can be available more on demand for people that are not in the area or want to get started on it, but they want some guidance right away. Uh, Some of that information is on also the Facebook page for the Life Mapping Institute. But what I'm really looking at now um, with the book and the guide those are on the website, but they're also available on Amazon. And the book is in Audible, which is a lot of fun, I think, uh, to have people be able to listen to it in that way as well. But what I have to look at from the business side of things is that if I really want to transition at some point out of selling real estate into this work, sort of, you know, that passionate work full time is that I will be looking at doing this more on a corporate level, uh, being brought in and teaching this to groups or at a company conference or retreat. And then I'm, I'm also, I'm training right now so that I can also deliver professional keynote talks, uh, which I'm really excited about. I love it. Um, I mm-hmm. think that all, I think you're very qualified for all of that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Thank you. If you're loving real estate, stick with it, but. If you're well, not, I think there's a lot of room for all the things you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And so, and that's been a lot of fun to be able to play with the different formats. And so I think what will happen, I had been running the uh, life mapping workshops uh, one or two days. I actually think a full weekend is fabulous for it. But what I will probably do is look at having maybe one or two of those offered throughout the year moving forward uh, more to just like open to the general public and people that are interested in, in planning to come and learn about it. But there is a lot of information out there and it is absolutely, I designed it in a way so that people could create their life map on their own. And that really was the reason for the companion guide. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It um, steps people through that process and, and is always there as a reference and like you said, on the life map itself, that's part of what I teach is, is not just, you know, some conferences we go to where you, you hear what the person has to say and you leave and then you never do anything about it. This is really meant as a process to how can you integrate it into the day to day as a way to be more productive in really accomplishing the things that you say that you want to accomplish in life. So that was how it got married with Jessica's work because you know, she's business coaching people. Um, she meets with them quarterly and we get to the goals that we want to work on. But the life mapping process is really great for how, to, where do you go from there? 
Oh, I love it. So much good stuff. This has been so amazing. And I'm really, really excited for people to check it out. I want people to go. If people are curious at all, I want them to go. I want them to check out your local events if they're in the area, but I want them to go look at your life map because it's really mm. inspiring to look at. And I think it just gives so much context to everything we just talked about. So that's a really good starting point. And I will have everything linked up in the show notes so people can find easy places to click on things. And thank you. Thank you for being here. You are so welcome. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. I really just appreciate you helping to get the word out. Oh my gosh. Feelings <laughs> mutual. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 